0: Hey gang, it's Kevin, and welcome back to another episode of A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary folks living revolutionary lives. This is episode 138, and today we're talking about sex, baby, because when do I not talk about sex, baby? Because I am, um, you know, depraved, broken, just kidding, I'm liberated as fuck, bitch, I'm just kidding. Well, I'm not, but uh, let me stop pandering and flitting around. I cannot wait to tell y'all about the huge project. I'm pretty much going to wait till May, but if you were on the full moon call last night uh, with the rest of the Patreon gang, um, you know what's coming. I might be coming to a town, a city near you in the very near future. And if you want to be first to know about that, you better be up in the Patreon business or go over to my website, thekevingercia.com and subscribe to my newsletter so that you always know when there's new content coming out and learn about how maybe we can hang out in real life. You know, you never know how good it could be. Um, I'm also getting ready to drop some brand new merch. So it's gonna be super cute. It's gonna get you ready for summertime. It's gonna be helping you feel fly, gay, queer, trans and beautiful. Um, And even if you're not any of those things, you can still feel the fantasy of those things. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Anyways, I am so pumped, Um, but yeah. Go sign up for those things so you can be the first to know about that. Today on the podcast, I have my friend Erica Lynn Smith, AKA uh, the Purity Culture Dropout Queen. Erica Lynn Smith has been a sex educator for over 20 years, getting the BA in Women's Studies from Penn State and Masters of Education from Widener University Center on for Human Sexuality Studies. I had to really sound that one out. I developed, uh, no, I developed, she developed, (laughs) she developed the Purity Culture Dropout Program to help people learn all the sex education they missed growing up in purity culture. Sex ed that is accurate, queer inclusive, trauma informed, compassionate, and comprehensive. For the majority of her career, she's provided comprehensive sex education, HIV prevention services, and supportive services to young women and LGBTQ plus youth detained in Philadelphia's juvenile detention center and child welfare system. She's also supported trans youth and their families since 2002. She's got expertise in queer issues, adolescent sexuality, sexual health, etc., etc. She's skilled. She's writer. She's trained. She's got group facilitation. She is like incredibly wonderful, and she approaches all of this through a social justice-oriented lens. Um, she's truly incredible, and I know that through this conversation, you are gonna get a huge like just. There's so much good in here, so yes in this conversation we are talking about sex so if that is something that's a little weird for you you got you know you got some uh triggers around that just make sure you take care of yourself you know what i'm saying um i love you so this is my conversation with erica lynn smith Enjoy. hello hi hey, hello
1: how,
0: how do you feel
1: i feel pretty good today I got up early and did a lot of things that I don't usually do early in the morning, so. Nice. Yeah. I got momentum today.
0: Yeah. I do too. I woke up yesterday. um, I went to bed early on Sunday and then I woke up early on Monday and I'm like, wow, I've got all this energy. I can do all these things. And then last night went to bed at 11, woke up at 8.30. Wow. It's like a pattern of taking care of myself is like finally (laughs) paying off, you know? wild
1: yeah that's my ideal like sleep wake time honestly like 11 pretty decent
0: for sure um i'm glad to be here with you i'm so glad that we've you know we were both dedicated to to rescheduling so thank you you for yeah i'm so glad because a big fan of your work obviously um because how cool is it to like talk like to do the work that we get to do and talk about sex with people and desire and all that shit. So cool. Also, Dude. your nails. Fire. Nice Even work.
1: Myself, of course, I'm not I am not quite ready to go back into a nail salon. It's just like I'm being very covid cautious. So this mm-hmm. is you know, I bought this nail polish at Target and up close it's not great, but from far away it from looks From the cool. zoom it's, it's
0: phenomenal it's phenomenal so for folks who may not know you i always tell people if you're like introducing yourself at like uh at an evening gathering of cool people um this is in a world where we have vaccines and we're not worried about catching a deadly virus yeah and all the people at this party are really cool okay like you don't have to explain like how you deconstructed the bible or shit
1: nice
0: um but yeah what do you do what's your thing what do you what are you into
1: So I am a sex educator, and I have called myself that for about 20 years now. Um, I started out doing sex education work when I was in college as an undergrad, and then I worked in public health settings for a long time, mostly with young people who were locked up in juvenile detention. Hmm. So my job was to go inside the juvenile detention center and have Realistic, effective conversations with young people, most of whom were very marginalized young people, um, about sex and sexuality. And now I focus a lot of my work and attention on people who were raised in purity culture. And I use my Instagram to educate and also offer classes and programs and support groups, all focused on um, sex ed after purity culture. So tailored to people that were raised with all of the harmful
0: messaging. Mm-hmm. And I have, like, been referring my people to you. Of like, where do I go to talk about this shit? I'm just like, here's, like, a list of Instagram. Erica Smith, she's Aww, the one. Thanks. Because it's, it's, it's good, it's accessible, and I think when I first started talking more about sex myself, I didn't realize how much shame I still had around it. My partner, like, my first partner, told me all the time, like, you're immature when it comes to sex. Mm. Like, you like, like you don't know how to talk about it. You don't know how to talk about what you want. And it was right. It was like, I couldn't talk about what I wanted in the bedroom. I couldn't talk about what I wanted in the relationship. I was, like, stuck in this, uh, almost, it was an arrested development moment. Yeah. Where, like, uh, you know, trauma hit trauma hit trauma. And then, you know, it expresses itself in weird ways in the bedroom. Who knew?
1: Yep. Exactly.
0: Hmm. So tell me about, like, how you found yourself in sex education. Did it st- start up was that always the, the passion, or did you end up there by way of, you know, necessity?
1: So I feel like at least when – I mean, I am almost 41. I'll be 41 next week, kind of. More so. like 40
0: fun. <laughs> oh. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> so when I was in high school, it was – the mid-1990s, and it was in a very small, rural, conservative Pennsylvania town. It would have never occurred to me that a sex educator was a job I could be or something I could Mm. do, but I was super interested in feminism at that point. Mm. So as a teenage girl, I was like, reading all the feminist books I could find in the library and listening to, like, feminist punk music and feeling like I was the only person in my town that was into that, which is probably Mm -hmm. true.
0: Hearing Um, this, like, I just want to say, like, all the tattoos totally make sense. You are, like, Bikini Kill, Rebel Girl all the way. That
1: was, yes, that was my foundation, absolutely. Um, So when I went to college, I discovered that there was a major called Women's (laughs) Studies. It was the only thing I've ever felt drawn to. Like I thought, yeah, I could see myself being interested in things like psychology and sociology. Those were like my favorite topics or subjects in school. But when I realized that you could actually study like women's place in society and women's history and like societal power structures, I was like, that's what I'm going to major in. So I did. And while I was at Penn State, I Took a lot of classes that had to do with like women's health and at the time i think now we call it women's and gender studies but nobody Mm -hmm. called it gender studies at the time right um but the things that made me most passionate were the discussions of reproductive justice and sexuality and sexual health um and that is where i got my start so my first sex ed events or my first actual work as a sex educator was putting on events at college for my peers. Mm-hmm. And that was like dipping my toe in, um, my friends and I through like the campus feminist organizations, we put on events about sexual pleasure and consent and it was scandalizing. Okay.
0: Like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Scandalizing. But, like,
1: I'm, I'm imagining
0: it on my <laughs> campus and like, we did get like a, a sex educator to come come in. She was not asked back again after that though. Oh, no. It was great. It was an amazing, um, amazing presentation. But like that, like I'm thinking about, especially like I lived in the South.
1: Okay. Did you go to Um, like a Christian school?
0: No, it was very Christian adjacent, though. Like it was like very Southern. A lot of the money that backed the school was through like Southern conservative organizations. Our Senate, our, um, excuse me, our president of the university was a former senator who was a Republican and a lot of you know, hosted a Bible study for his favorite students. Oh, I'm yeah, like, I can I'm see. like, this feels weird. Like, you know, yeah. we put a like we got like a, a million dollar uh, donation to build a chapel. And I'm like, we, there's an entire residence hall that's leaking. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing?
1: Yeah. What school was this?
0: Christopher Newport university, which where I was homecoming king and, uh, go <laughs> amazing. God, it was a time I was very different. Uh, Yeah, I was who I was back then. I won't say I was a different human, I was just who I was. And I'm
1: not not familiar with the school, what state is it in?
0: Virginia, Newport News. So um, it was very interesting. A lot of the population of the school was like super liberal, especially like people involved in student government, Mm -hmm. but the faculty and administration and the surrounding area was very, very conservative. So it was really interesting because I went to this church that I thought was progressive, but it just yeah. turns out just because they have, just because you have black people doesn't mean you're progressive. Yeah, um, just exactly. because like you have a woman pastor doesn't mean anything for like sex, uh, sex and gender equality. Yep. Um, that's like, so you got from, how did you find your way into talking with uh, post evangelicals and purity culture shit?
1: Purely by accident. So I was, gearing up to quit my full-time job and become an independently employed sex educator. And at the time, um, I was, so a lot, a lot of my work that focused on justice involved youth focused on, um, Mm -hmm. queer youth in the juvenile justice system. And I thought that I was going to leave my big secure full-time job to do that kind of work still. Like I imagined that, um, juvenile justice systems and placements would hire me to teach them how to treat queer kids because I was doing that stuff mm-hmm. in my job anyway. So that's what I was like, I'm going to quit my job and do this. And I had an, a very small Instagram presence at that point. Like, I don't yeah. even know, I might've had like 2000 followers, but it was always a really engaged, enthusiastic audience. And mm-hmm. one day I... Ask them, were any of you raised in purity culture and has anyone felt affected by this? I had no idea what kind of can of worms I was opening. Um, Hmm. Hmm. I asked that because, like, Linda K. Klein had just released Pure, and I was reading articles about the book, and I was like, you know, as a sex educator, I have watched abstinence-only policies take over the mm, country, and yes. no, I knew that it was harmful when I saw it happening, but i never really spoken to anyone that had been affected by it personally, Right. and when I asked that question, I got a flood of responses, um, people pouring their hearts out about all of the pain they experienced and all of the ways they felt it caused dysfunction in their lives mm-hmm. currently, and... It just occurred to me, like, this is an audience that I could tailor my work to. Like, this is a need, and I don't see any other people in the sex education space fulfilling this need. So what Mm. if there was somebody who was willing to teach purity culture, ex-purity culture folks, all the stuff they didn't learn? Like, you can ask me anything. I will teach you about anything from bodies to what bodies do to... Pleasure and desire, and let's talk about sex toys, and let's talk about queerness, and just you know, everything from the 101 to the 501. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how I got started speaking to ex evangelicals. And I, I mean, it was purely um, just coincidence because that is not my background,
0: yeah. Because I was gonna ask because, like, it did, I didn't remember you stating that you had a religious background at all.
1: No, I have, my family is what I would call like culturally Christian, you know, Mm -hmm. we celebrate Christmas and Easter. um, But the only time I ever went to church as a kid was like, maybe Christmas Eve. Um, My parents are very laid back about sex and sexuality about factual stuff. Like, I never grew up with any sexual shame, um, Mm -hmm. which I know is a privilege. And so, yeah, church and God were not Part of my background at all, other than mm-hmm. like every once in a while going to Sunday school with a friend if I slept over at her house, like right, right, yeah. So I have learned more from my clients, I feel sometimes, than they learned from me because they teach mm-hmm. me all this, you know, all the things that they were. You probably taught. have a,
0: you probably have a master's level degree in like, uh, just like Christian sexuality.
1: Oh yeah, and I people tell me stories all the time and I'm like, I hadn't heard that one before. Um, yeah. yeah was, it's it's like,
0: never ending the level of like weird ass shit.
1: Yeah. Weird. And also, um, I work with a lot of ex Mormons. So then, now I know all kinds oh. of Mormon stuff, having yeah. not known anything about Mormonism. Um, so it has also been like a very interesting learning experience for me too.
0: hmm. It's so interesting. Like some of the work that I do with some of my clients, um, as a spiritual coach is a lot of, is like working with like, do you think it's okay for you to want to, to want to be with that person, to want to kiss that person, to want to be sexual with that person? And a lot of times, like I realized even for myself, like that was a lot of my initial problem is that like, I still felt gross for wanting to kiss a boy and have a gay sex. Mm -hmm. And that realization was like, oh, that's so that's been a story that has been in my subconscious for this entire time. And I, that's, that's where like, I think a lot of, uh, it's, it's like, un, what is it, unshaming desire is really like the crux of work. And once you can get okay with that, a lot of things, at least for me, I think they kind of waterfall naturally from that. Yep.
1: And open up possibility for you to connect with some really wonderful parts of life.
0: What's, uh, what's been the biggest transformation that you've seen with people that you've worked with?
1: Uh, I have to say, so I have like different levels of working with folks. Sometimes um, the most intense way to work with me is doing the Purity Culture Dropout Program, which is like a six week, you have all my undivided attention. And we get into every single thing on an individual level that, is, that you need to work on.
0: Like a one-to-one um, basis?
1: Yes. There's Oof. a good component, but it is one-to-one. It's like, we, I, I get you to go back through your entire life and we pick out things that you might have never thought were related to your relationship with sexuality. Mm. Um, So that's where I've seen the coolest transformations. And I've had clients who now are working to become sex educators themselves. Yeah. Which I'm so proud of because I feel like The world needs the voices of people raised in purity culture doing this work. So I can tell you all kinds of things about sex, but it's also not my lens. And I think it's Mm -hmm. a really important lens for people to hear from. Um, I also have clients who have become very comfortable with having casual sexual relationships. And that is Mm -hmm. huge. Yeah. Um, Just feeling like dating doesn't have to be purely for marriage and then oh my god yes like not the relationship escalator every single Mm. time
0: oh don't (laughs) don't call me out like that i I mean i mean like you know it's not like because like when people think uh see i will tell you this is just pure confessions from kevin garcia yeah that's what i do still sometimes like i've gotten way better you know because i've only really i've been out for six years i've only really been dating for three of those years Um, and I find it so hard because I was raised to think like, you know, do it with intention, make sure that this is the one. (laughs) And then of course, like, you know, if I'm always looking for the one, I'm all automatically telling a story about this person and putting these expectations on this person that I don't fucking know. And then, you know, I'll say something really intense because I'm an intense person and they freak the fuck out. And, you know, With good reason (laughs) or like not, you know, like it was truthful from, but also like, you know, you you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, had I been given like a little bit more, you know, chill or at least a little bit more practice in dating, I wouldn't be going on 31 years old and still be like a little afraid to talk to people, not afraid to talk to people, just like, but like to be flirty and vulnerable at the same time.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's hard to do, I think, for a lot of people, but especially if you've been told that every potential romantic partner, they only have one purpose for you. And that is, you know, your life, your lifelong partner. Mm -hmm. Another, another victory that I love seeing is when folks I work with who are parents are able to parent their children in a really sex positive way that they themselves were not able to experience. And it's, healing for them too so not just they're creating a very healthy environment for their children but they're feeling like i'm actually healing myself because i'm parenting in the way that i wish i had experienced Mm -hmm. so i love it when clients will email me and be like i can't wait till my kid asks me a sex question and you know their five-year-old will say something like mom why don't you have a penis and she can answer the question and it's awesome um Mm. I had somebody, somebody asked their, their mom recently, like, why do adults have sex? And she said, I was able to say sometimes to make babies and sometimes just because it feels good. Mm. And that was a huge victory for her.
0: Yeah. And such a very beautifully simple and true answer. And
1: true thing. Yeah. You
0: didn't have to spend any fairy tales for that kid.
1: Nope. And that's all, I mean it's a whole other discussion of like what information is appropriate at what ages but she did the perfect thing she didn't i think a lot of times um conservatives think that we are going to teach kids of every age about every explicit sexual thing yeah. and that's really not how it works um and all you need to say to your 5 year old is it feels good for grown ups and mm-hmm. you don't have to go into any other detail you know there's And also cuz that's easy, not the question
0: they're asking yes, you gave exactly. them a very simple answer and that's all they really wanted yep mm that's dope. I wish you were my Sunday school teacher. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I, love, was-
1: I mean, I love working with kids and this is my first time really being a sex educator for adults because I usually, mm. my whole career focused on um, like 12 to 24 year olds, most of them being like 15 or 16.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's, it's cool to work with adults too because we need it. You know, our understanding of sexuality doesn't end at any certain age. So
0: Yeah, especially, I think, around the cultural conversations, like post-evangelicals, in addition to figuring out how to do the sex, Mm -hmm. um, being able to really start talking about what do I want? um, Because we haven't practiced wanting or like understanding what it feels like to want something. Yeah. We always, like, for me, like, understanding desire was just, like, I'm not allowed to have desire because desires are out the flesh, and the flesh is
1: bad. Yep.
0: So, really, like, telling myself, I know for, like, understanding that, like, it's okay for me to want to feel good. Mm-hmm. Like, something as simple as that little, and, like, it's just, I, I tell some of my people, I'm just, like, it is as simple as changing your mind. Yeah. And sometimes that feels like it's impossible, but I can tell you it's not. You know why? I did it. Mm
1: -hmm. My friends
0: did it. It took some people longer than others, but they did it.
1: Yeah. And for some people, you have to just know that it is a baby step journey. And every time the voice in your head says, no, you don't deserve pleasure, you tell it. Mm -hmm. "Um, You're wrong. Actually, I do. And you keep arguing with that voice until your inner voice is the loudest one.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Because like, I think about it as the way I picture that voice in my head is like, it's just scared youth group, Kevin. Like when Kevin well. was still in the youth group and he's still trying to run the show, he'll come up and say, Kevin, you can't do that. You're not allowed to. And I'm like, I am a 30 year old man. And I look at myself, and just like, you're fine. I'm not mad at you, but I'm 30 years old now. And mm-hmm. I, if I want to go sit in the park and drink a cocktail with this nice man, and then who knows what can happen after that. Maybe we'll go get a COVID test together. It'll be really romantic. <laughs> get a rapid test. I don't yep. know if we can get rapid tests around here, so maybe not. Well, I would tell you, though, that's real romance. You want to say, talk about get tested. That's next level shit, man.
1: Oh, yeah. I got COVID tested with my husband a couple weeks ago, and it was like, we did the drive through CBS test, but you had mm-hmm. to put the thing in your own nose.
0: Who? Oh!
1: Nightmare. You
0: I had couldn't. to scramble your own brain.
1: Yes. I I mean, he was able to do it to himself. And I, if it would get even a little bit up by my like nasal cavity, I would just start sneezing uncontrollably. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Like
0: like I only, I never had a nasal swab. When they did it, they just did a, um, a throat culture and swab. Um, apparently there's a rapid test being developed where you can get saliva. Yes. And I'm like, thank God.
1: I know. I mean, you can do, HIV testing via saliva. I'm glad to know that we can do COVID testing that way.
0: Yeah, if you can do, like, a rapid test for HIV, like, you can... Y'all, come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not a science person. You know, I'm not an archaeologist or a biologist or anything involved. I'm not even a sociologist. I'm just a person who listens to the news. <laughs> you know, I've seen, I've seen Spider-Man. I know it's possible. <laughs> I think it is so interesting and neat to find that you find yourself in this space with a lot of like post-Christians, spiritual people. And it's just like, yeah, like I don't even need to identify with y'all. I just like, I just, I love being here because y'all are ready to grow. Yeah. And I find like I mean, I, I know that, like, you don't identify as a Christian, but I'm just like you. That's to me, it's what's called being a pastor.
1: Isn't that, isn't that weird? Yeah, no, it, it's not that weird. It, it makes sense. And I have to say, as somebody who comes from, like, a totally secular life, um, mm-hmm. the ex-evangelicals and deconstructed Christians I meet and work with you're some of the, like, most badass, tough, determined, resilient people. Mm. It's one thing if you were, like, raised like me and end up very sex positive. Like, I didn't have anything standing in my way. Right. Other than, you know, mainstream misogyny and shit like that. But, like, Mm -hmm. I didn't have a church telling me what to believe. So when I meet folks who are on the other side or working to the other side, Mm -hmm. you have had to intentionally do so much hard work, and I just think that's incredible. So Mm. some of the people I've met just through my work, um, I'm I'm like very much in awe of Mm -hmm. because of that.
0: Yo, I think everyone who hears that is probably going to feel very good. I was talking with uh, one of my other humans the other day about how when people are thinking like, well, how do I like reconstruct or like how do I become okay with uh, this? And, or like when I come to the end of deconstruction, like if there's like some kind of destination that we need to arrive at. And the thing I often, I need to be reminded of is that a lot of times as we've been deconstructing or people are changing their minds in general, is that at the same time, whether or not you knew it, we automatically are starting to build something else because there can't just be nothing there. Right. Like an alternate... (laughs) <laughs> this is an altar needs to have something on it for it to be made holy. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and so it depends what is on your altar. If your altar is full of bullshit and that's what you've been worshiping in your subconscious for your entire life. And but so what you do is you go up, you pick it up and realize you didn't get struck down by lightning. And instead you put a picture of your goddamn self on the altar and a dildo and call it a day. You know what I'm saying?
1: Absolutely
0: like you you've all it's like you think that you're not there but you are you just need to be okay with the fact that you're there
1: yeah that, and every little thing that you take away that was bullshit you are replacing it with trust in yourself whether you like realize that or not
0: mhm yeah it's like telling people just like do you realize how much you've already survived
1: i feel like a lot of my work is hyping people up like that
0: yes oh my god <laughs>
1: Like, I, yes. I tell people, I know you're contacting me because you feel lost, but do you realize what a big deal it is that you even engage with my content? Because I bet before you wouldn't have ever come across my page. Like, mm,
0: Or you would have blocked it because you were gonna afraid it's going to be a stumbling block.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, the fact that you are like, I want to know about this sexuality stuff so much that I reached out to you and made an appointment and I showed up for it and I'm telling you all my deepest stuff, like you don't even understand how far you've already come by doing that
0: mm-hmm. it is amazing it is amazing when people like and that's like i think the uh also i want to say sorry about the lawnmowers in the background oh everyone. i don't hear them <laughs> oh phenomenal then maybe I hear this my whole, air
1: conditioner i don't hear your lawnmower
0: <laughs> oh phenomenal i got this uh this cute little studio box thing so like my mic sits in the middle of it so maybe that's doing its job nice um, this is also what happens when you have to work from home and you can't go to... I, I had this amazing co-working space that I signed up or, like, I got a membership. I was going and, like, being productive and making friends. And mm-hmm. then COVID-19 said, no, 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 no. <laughs> and so um, working from home ain't bad. It's just not my favorite. Yeah. But we do what we can. I um, I'm curious about... What is the the biggest misconception about your work? Like people come in asking for certain things and you're like, no, 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 I don't do that. I can't give you those things. What's the biggest misconception?
1: I think there, one of the biggest misconceptions is that I think there are folks that fear that working with me is going to turn you into a completely different person, mm-hmm. like some kind of sex monster that will have Gotten like you go from purity culture to like kink parties. If mm-hmm. that's your thing, maybe you will, but most people don't end up there. Um, I always reassure folks that are thinking of working with me that I'm just here to like give you all the information there is, and you get to make the decisions about what you do and how to apply them. So I don't shame you for being in a monogamous marriage. Like, I had a client that. Um, she was a cis woman married to a cis man and she was really afraid to tell me she was bisexual because she thought that I would like encourage her to leave her husband.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. And so I, I reassure folks that like, I'm not here to push you to the extremes of what humans might be into sexually. Mm-hmm. Some folks may end up doing things that are pretty considered pretty fringe, mm-hmm. but a lot of you that come to me are just like, yeah, I'm, I'm a married person or I'm newly single and I just, you know, I want to try this and this, but you know, you you don't typically end up in like clown sex parties.
0: Just Not typically.
1: <laughs> Not typically, but if you do want to do that, I will hold your hand through the process. <laughs>
0: clown sex parties. Like I'm somebody who like, I'm willing to at least walk into the space to see what's up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this is this is after dark now. Oh, hey good. everyone, welcome to a tiny revolution <laughs> after dark. Um, that, that's actually not true. I talk about this shit all the time. I have been to uh, a, a bathhouse, like, uh, and so for those of y'all who don't know a bathhouse, like all the gay men are just like yes, 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 we understand. But mm-hmm. these are literal locations where uh, typically cis gay men uh, will go and engage with sexual activities with uh, mm-hmm. some, none, or multiple partners.
1: And many anonymous you know
0: many anonymous encounters, um, the only time that I had sex with somebody was like I went with somebody that I met, and then it was it was so sweet, it was actually really, really cute and like and so it was it was so interesting to me, like in my head, I had this picture of all of this craziness happen, but when I walked in, it was actually just a bunch of really nice humans talking, spending yeah. time being naked like and it was i was like oh now i get it it's like we have all of these stories around sex and sex acts and like and i'm not saying like everybody needs to go to a bathhouse just to experience it um but i'm saying it's just like there are so many things that we shame Mm -hmm. or we say that's not okay that you've never ever experienced and that you've never been a part of and it might not be right for you obviously but you know like it's like the same thing like i don't tell people like just because i'm a non-monogamous person i don't give a fuck what you do Mm -hmm. like just like i'm here like my the only thing i advocate for is that you tell the truth about everything all the time to everyone
1: yeah Yeah.
0: and that's sorry go ahead
1: on the flip side i am in a monogamous relationship and i feel like Sometimes I tell my clients, like, I'm probably way more boring than you expect me to be. Hmm. I have a partner, we've been together for six years, um, and we have a monogamous marriage. Like, maybe you were expecting that I was much more, I guess, like, fringe or radical in my own practices, but not right now, not at this point in my life. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you can, big emphasis, um, you can be sex positive, And it has Mm. nothing to do with like what kind of sex you're having or if you're having sex at all. It's just how you feel about um, sexuality is a normal, healthy part of life and be committed to not judging consenting Mm -hmm. adults for their practices. And then you're sex positive too.
0: It's really that that simple, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. It is. (sighs) That's just so refreshing. What were the... um... What were the, uh, the books that you encountered along your way that were just, like, light bulb moments for you? That when you say, when people say, can you recommend a book to me, what do you typically go for?
1: Um, okay, there's a few. Um, around sex and sexuality, like, for clients, you mean? Or just in life?
0: I don't know. Whatever, whatever you think is helpful. What has been helpful for you?
1: Oh. Hmm. Oh my god this is taking it back to when i first came out as queer mm. um i am one of those people that like i'm like bisexual queer so i dated cis men for a lot of my life and
0: mm-hmm.
1: felt like it, it was hard for me to come out and be visible this right.
0: was,
1: you know this is when i was like in my mid-20s and i like thought i guess i'm bisexual but i don't know and then I discovered this book called Persistent Desire, a Butch Femme Reader. Yeah. And that's when I realized that I'm a femme and my whole thing is butch people and attraction to them. Oh, I'm sorry. There's like so much cat in this phone call.
0: No, I love it.
1: <laughs> um, that book made me feel seen. Like, holy shit. Like there is a whole world where mm-hmm. like femme people date butch people. And this is a, there's a long history of this. And um, the book Stone Butch Blues also was very informative for me in that way. Mm -hmm. It it gave me a framework to place myself in the world. Like there's this, I'm not new as a concept for being like, (gasps) yeah, "Yeah, I like masculine women and I'm very into like my lipstick and dresses. It gave me this eye-opening, like context that this is old as time <laughs> and that was really helpful for me those two books in particular
0: I love that so much yeah so, so were you um did you identify as queer um when you and your present partner were together
1: yes or, so, or... um my partner's a trans man and when we met you know I had yeah we met it's only been six years so I was definitely like way out by then
0: mm-hmm that is fucking dope as shit. Oh.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of like, the things that I tell my clients is that I learn new shit about my own sexuality all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: I've gone through so many different, like, labels to feel find one that fits myself. And I've just settled on queer feels like the most, mm-hmm. most fitting. But it's a process. Not all of us are like born knowing exactly what we are and exactly what we like so for Mm -hmm. me there was like trying on of different identities and yeah there was a time that i was certain that i was a lesbian and i called myself a lesbian for years Mm -hmm. and then i realized oh god i'm still attracted to men a lot Mm. (laughs) and i had to reevaluate that
0: yeah oh sorry i don't know why i'm apologizing to you for knocking my own desk (laughs) um i used to identify very heavily as a gay man. I was like, yeah, I'm a gay man, gay dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think I started off as gay man and then gay dude and then queer dude. And then mm-hmm. and then it just like, because it, it was the same way. Like when I started in, like that was like my entry label because I didn't know that there was like this entire universe of like non-binary glory where like there's dudes with beards and lipstick. Yeah. That's me. When and I saw that-
1: Instagram and it's beautiful. <laughs>
0: it's so good it's so sexy and like just like like you know dudes with bodies who look like mine who dress and wear whatever the fuck they want Mm -hmm. and they're like yeah i am also like my body here is my greatest accessory and i'm like how dare you own that when i can't yeah it's like it's so cool
1: it shines the light on your own you know your own stuff Mm -hmm. that it's time to work through
0: yeah Man, I love that. I, I really like you a whole lot. I like you even more than I did when you came in. Thanks. <laughs> it's like, like, I feel like the comfort I feel sitting with you now is probably indicative of the comfort you bring to a lot of your, your clients mm-hmm. and people that you work with, where it's just like, you guys, I I know that it's a big deal, but also it's not a big deal.
1: Right. Like, I- it's... Go I talk to this, everyone the same way. So whether or not you are, like, a 45-year-old ex-Christian mom in Texas or you are a 13-year-old trans girl in jail, like, I talk to you just like I'm talking to you now. Like, mm-hmm. everyone gets the same care and everyone gets seen in the same way. And I feel mm-hmm. like that is why I'm good at my job. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just going to own that. So
0: Listen, come on. Yes, I love, listen, we love a confident bitch. We really Yay.
1: do.
0: <laughs> I want to, I have two more things I want to yeah. hit. What are your present self-care practices in the time of distance and occasion until vaccine and Joe Biden is the oh, president yeah. and Kamala is our vice president? And yes. anyways, uh, what, are your, what are your self-care practices right now? How are you keeping well, yourself healthy?
1: Mm-hmm. I am super, super into taking walks. And to do that, um, I have a pit bull dog that accompanies me, and he is yes. one of the centers of my world. Um, I'm a my husband and I are we decided not to have children. It's not like our path, but we have tons of animals and we do a lot of animal rescue. So, for example, this cat on my desk right now. This is not really my cat. This is a foster cat yeah. <laughs> that like came off the street. So. Um, caring for animals actually is something I find really like enjoyable and part of my self-care walking my dog for sometimes five miles a day. If the weather's decent, um, I love to spend time in nature. I live in the city and I'm, I'm of Philadelphia at this point. I've been in Philly for like 18 years, but I grew up in the middle of nowhere Mm. and I find the older I get, the more time I need in the middle of nowhere. So, like, Dude, I go to same. the woods. I go to the woods. I go. I have gone to stay with my parents a few times this summer um, after taking a COVID test. Um, but they they still live in rural Pennsylvania. And I, going there is just so rejuvenating to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I also real talk i upped my lexapro dose during this time nice. I, was on, I was on 10 milligrams and it wasn't cutting it so now it's 20 mm-hmm. and i got a medical marijuana prescription so Blessed be the fruit yes in pennsylvania uh, you can even get it delivered to your house so
0: <laughs> get out like i'm coming yes. like ooh, honey child
1: Here's a funny joke this is so funny to me but um I had a weed delivery like two weeks ago, and the guy that delivered it was named Ben Shapiro.
0: Ooh, but he was that's... hot
1: and young. It was not the same guy.
0: <laughs> it's just like I'm triggered by your name, but I see you.
1: I know. I was like, okay, tall Ben Shapiro.
0: <laughs> uh, come on, tall weed smoking Ben Shapiro. Yes, listen, yeah. I was I tweeted it out this morning. All I want is a man for bring who like will bring me iced coffee. I would add. Iced coffee and a pre roll. Bring it to me when I'm done with my yoga. Kiss me, go to work. Yeah. That's all I want.
1: That sounds so nice.
0: Yeah. It can happen um, one day.
1: Yeah. Another thing is that I found um, so my husband and I are both super into being independent people. We have our own separate bedrooms and we like, oh, cool. We hang out when we need to and when we feel compelled to, but we're not a couple that's like, we're not at all like, Enmeshed. Like I think yeah. it's expectation for a lot of couples. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, we, we are very good at being like, let's hang out. Let's sleep in the same room tonight. Let's watch a movie. But the rest of the time, like we're, we're very independent. We come together and mm-hmm. we separate and it's perfect. That's and it's very useful in the time of COVID when we're all stuck together in our homes.
0: Yeah. God, that's brilliant. You're only the second person I've ever met who they and their, uh, their married partner have separate bedrooms.
1: Oh, wow. I'll send you a post I made about it a long time ago. It's an absolute must for me personally. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Every t- I've only ever lived with a partner a handful of times, but even the first time I did when I was in my early 20s, we had separate bedrooms, and I realized, like, this is it. This is the way to go. If you yeah, because have-
0: of the, like, you have a sanctuary that is yours. Mm-hmm. And I know that for, like, the one long-term relationship I was in and – severe codependent bullshit that we were putting on each other. But like from the moment he moved to town, like there was not a day that we were not together. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's a problem.
1: Yeah. That doesn't work for me. Like he and I even like, I'll take vacations by myself. It's nice. This is, how, this is what I need to, to function. <laughs>
0: Some, uh, something uh, my friend, Dr. Robin said, do you know, Dr. Robin?
1: I don't know.
0: Dr. Robin Henderson Espinosa, they, them pronouns. Uh, Activist theology is their book and their like thing, and we okay. we 're currently working on a queer faith conference where we want to talk about sex and desire. We need to talk you and i
1: yes i 'm into it
0: okay, great um, <laughs> but anyway, something that they said is that um they live with their partner they 've been there long term, and they said like we are monogamous with one another like as far as like emotionally sexually and still we have a, the they describe described as a non-monogamous orientation where you said just like we're not enmeshed like oh, yeah. some folks and so that's what i feel like you're describing as like this orientation of we are still like we really enjoy each other so much that we got married to mm-hmm. each other and also like we have a life of our own that's interesting and involved and doing stuff and i'm just saying that i would like that anointing for myself
1: And you can have that. Yes, I
0: can. You
1: deserve it. (laughs) And it's another, like, pleasure, right? Yeah. It's so pleasure. It's full of pleasure. Like,
0: Mm.
1: so many nights. It's also practical for, like, scheduling. But there are nights that Andy goes in his room, and I can hear him over there, like, watching a Marvel movie or something. Mm -hmm. And I'm in my room, like, watching a true crime show. Like, we just it's just nice. Like you get to do what you want.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's like, I like, I've been, uh, something I've said recently is that I want to become more fierce about prioritizing my pleasure and my peace mm. and true. Like, and not to say that there isn't uncomfortable things or like there isn't going to be suffering in life, but most of the time, like suffering comes from my orientation towards something or my willingness or my unwillingness to, to let something go mm. um and so ever since i started doing this thing i was like i want to prioritize my pleasure like for example um sundays uh i've been working a lot and just like doing a lot of stuff and prep work last two sundays and i think we're going to make it a little bit of a ritual me and my friends like are going to this little local beach area on a lake you know it's nice social distance it's like good people and it's just the most rejuvenating thing to be with like the people who I've been through this whole fucking COVID. Like these are the only five people that I've really spent any meaningful time with for a year and getting to spend time outside in sun, in nature with my people is so pleasurable. And I find that I've got more energy this week than I have in ages.
1: It makes perfect sense. It's that whole, Mm. like, you can't pour from an empty cup thing. (laughs)
0: <laughs> sermon's over closed book right there and that and that i think is like when you describe this like it's so full of pleasure i'm just like god i cannot can't wait and i know it's going to be wonderful yep and i don't it's like also like there's a i think the other thing that like i think i have because i recover from period i'm recovering from purity culture forever just kidding no recovered <laughs> and but like it's that thing of like we get it in our heads that we are behind like that's the thing there's so much shame in feeling like we're behind yeah. or like i don't know like i know for me like i just, i didn't know how to do the sex mm-hmm. you know i didn't know what in, went into it i didn't know what i needed um and it's it feels embarrassing for so many people and it's not really embarrassing you grew up in a world that didn't tell you any shit about it. Yeah. Why are exactly. you embarrassed? You know, what's embarrassing is that the system you grew up in. They're exactly. embarrassing. And you I felt- are not embarrassing.
1: Yes. And you were also not broken. The mm-hmm. structures that did this to you are broken.
0: Yes. Oh, that's a big that's a big reframe for a lot of people. Yeah. It's like I'm absolutely. so like I'm so broken, I'm so damaged. I'm just like, sure, yes, you were you have been hurt, but you're not damaged. Mm-hmm. You might've been hurt, but you're not broken. And you might feel embarrassed, but you are not embarrassing. Exactly. And I think that's like, once you can say like, we've all felt like, we all felt this way. It's just like, shame off you, baby. Shame Mm -hmm. off. Yep. Do you wanna be friends?
1: Yeah, we are friends. What are you talking about? (laughs)
0: That was the conversation with Erica Lynn Smith, and if you want to get in touch with her, go over to her Instagram, which is at ericasmith.sex.ed. Check out all of her offerings, including the Purity Culture Dropout program, her new book offerings, which is like, I believe it's a parent's guide to talking to your kids about sex. So especially if you are a millennial, like post-evangelical parent out there and you want to learn how to talk to your kid about sex... This might be a really good tool for you. Just saying again, Erica Smith, thank you so much for being on the show. I cannot wait to see you in real life. Oh, the world's opening up, y'all. It's going to be so good. Get your vaccines if you have, if you're eligible, which everybody, if you're over 16, you're eligible, go and get it so we can hang out in real life. Okay. Alright, this has been a podcast from the Irreverent Media Group, which is a collective of amazing podcasts who are doing, you know, making content for everywhere along your deconstruction journey. So go check out my other podcast, which is called Your Favorite Ants. Go check out Dirty Rotten Church Kids, Exvangelical, uh, White American Jesus, and a couple other amazing shows that are going to be added soon. So please check out the lineup of shows. Follow us at irreverent.fm or irreverent underscore fm across social media. can follow me at the Kevin Garcia and if you could do me a favor leave us a rating five stars tell us we're so good tell me how much you love this episode and share this podcast with a friend because truly sharing podcasts from friend to friend is how the show grows and yeah I think that's that if you want more stuff like this if you want more content like this I make meditations and group calls and do a lot of really cool stuff with Patreon and Patreon is a way to support me as a creative and also you know get your spiritual reformation on So please, if you want more stuff like this, if you want community that reflects this kind of stuff, go to patreon.com slash TheKevinGarcia, and I'll see you on the next group call, okay? So until next time, this has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution. Take your meds, call your person, move your body in a way that feels good. Uh, Shake that ass, baby, shake it for me, and (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll see you this summer. Promise. Well, hopefully. Can't promise, but I'll be near you, I hope. All right. I love you. Bye.